Um, our series in the Doctrine of the Church, we're in officers, church officers. We've been talking about pastors uh, last few Wednesday nights. This will be our last Wednesday night in pastors, and then we're going to start on the deacons. So, amen. Now, now they can be the ones going home going, am I fulfilling all those things? <laughs> amen. All right. So tonight we're going to continue again talking about pastors, and uh, right now we are at uh, uh, the last two thoughts, and that is a church's responsibility to its pastors, and then uh, also what the Bible seems to teach, and I I tend to agree with, is uh, we'll call it the plurality of pastors. That doesn't mean uh, there shouldn't be a head pastor, but it does seem that one of the common themes of the New Testament is that they're, uh, Jesus liked the two-by-two two method. I kind of like the two-by-two two method. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, a much more, it's much more encouraging. And, there's, you know, it's the same story. You can, you know, the horsepower story? You put one horse, you know, and you, you track how much weight it can pull. And you'd think if you put two horses together that they would be able to pull twice the weight, right? But they can actually pull more than twice the weight. That's the weirdest thing ever. And I honestly believe humans work much the same. I know, I know Brother Chester agrees with the, the, the two people. And I'm just telling you, I am, I am actively praying about uh, what the Lord would do for us in the realm of a, a, second, uh, a second man. And uh, so I would ask you to pray for us as well. Again, I'm, I'm not going to run outside of God's will. Uh, so far I've done what I'm supposed to do, and I'm still looking. I'm not being lazy, uh, but... Uh, I ain't the only one looking, <laughs> and if you're not if you're not early on the scene, sometimes it's hard to hard to get people. So uh, turn, if you will. Uh, we're going to be in several different passages again, uh, not quite as many as normal. We're just going to hit. Well, I shouldn't say that. When we hit plurality of pastors, you're going to be trying to catch, keep up. But Hebrews thirteen, Hebrews thirteen seventeen, hmm. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. We've already mentioned it, I believe, a couple times. 13.7, 13.17, both those uh, verses reference uh, our pastors. Matter of fact, we might just go ahead and read both of those verses. Uh, so, both, uh, so if you're in Hebrews 13, we're going to read verse 7. Verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Very interesting little phrase there. We'll look at that later. Now verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Amen. Father, we thank you for the day. We do thank you, Lord, for the study that we've been looking at uh, about the church, how it's properly run. And uh, <coughs> Lord, even just considering some of the conversations that I've had uh, in the past few weeks uh, about churches that are have come up with their own versions and ways of leadership, Lord, and how complicated it gets and how often, how much distrust and animosity it brings about, Lord. And Lord, it seems like your system, while 
Uh, we're still humans, and humans aren't perfect, but your system seems to work well, and we thank you, Lord, that you have given us good wisdom that we don't have to try to figure out. We'll ask these things now, uh, Lord, as we uh, try to pay attention to this tonight, that you'd speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Wouldn't it be great if the Lord just, you know, here's the church design that you need to have, you know, for eternity. You know, here's how maintenance is going to be run. And not, not, a lot of that stuff he just leaves for us. But there are some things he says, this, is, this is, is what I want you to do here. So a church's responsibility to its pastors, number one, is to submit to the pastor's leadership. Submit to the pastor's leadership. It's kind of hard not to get, to, to get around that Hebrews 13, 17, that idea of obey them to have the rule over you. Now, it's not talking about a lost government because it specifically says that these people have to answer to God for their leadership of this group. And of course, in the context already, we've been talking about those are among us. So obey them to have the rule of you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account. And again, I've told you this before, but I really do believe the Lord does something. Now, this is just my opinion, okay? I can't put any Bible on this. Um, If I was to put Bible on it, it would be Paul, when he talked to Timothy, and he said, neglect not the gift that is in thee, that was, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, was given thee by the laying out of the hands of, of, the, of the presbytery or something like that. I'm not, I'm not saying that quite right, but you, there's, there's something there. It could be straight, very straightforward, but I, I do think there is something that the Lord puts inside a man that he just doesn't have normally. And that's, it's, there's a, well, when you look at people who are even just heading down the wrong road instead of going, they just don't know what they're doing. It's like all of a sudden you hurt for them. It's like you hurt because you know what they're doing. You know how they're getting there. And you wish they could just open their hearts and their minds just for a few minutes to say, here's what the Bible says. Please just listen to this. This is what you need. Uh, And I'm telling you, the Lord put that kind of patience and love in me. That's not something I can claim for myself. That has to be the Lord. And I, I do appreciate that. But That says obey them. And it's not referring to a passive submission here, okay? Well, I'll just sit back and let him do everything. (laughs) And not that kind of submission, okay? Uh, Turn also now over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to add another verse in there, and we're going to hit just a few points here, and then we'll move on. uh, I shouldn't say we won't be long tonight, but I just did. So you know what that means. We have no clue how long I'm going to be tonight, so... First Thessalonians chapter 5, and of course I'm in the wrong book, right chapter, wrong book. First Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to read two verses here, okay, 12 and 13, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, <clears throat> and we beseech you, brethren, and they're talking to the church at Thessalonica, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Okay? I love how, I love how this is put too. And we, we have taken to, um, uh, you know, you, you still have to honor the position. Does everybody know what I'm saying? Sometimes there's, sometimes there are, there's a person in the, in the pulpit or in any position of leadership that you don't like them. As a matter of fact, it might just, sometimes it's just personality conflict. You don't like their style of leadership. You don't like who they are. You don't like their attitude. And those are just personal things. And I hope, you're, hope as 
as any kind of authority, someone who's under authority, you begin to recognize in yourself what is honestly just a personality conflict, okay? But sometimes you're also under a wicked leader, okay? There's, by the way, there's lots of references to this in Scripture. And we think somehow Scripture supports us just telling, telling the leadership to go, do it, to go do their own thing and run off and do our own thing. But that's not what Bible teaches. David was under a very wicked King Saul and never ceased to honor the position that Saul held. Never once. Matter of fact, the one time he even reached out and just cut a little bit off of his clothing, he got horribly convicted about it and had to step out and say, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> you know, horribly convicted about it. So, and David, he got spears thrown at him for heaven's sakes. And he didn't leave the country. Well, I shouldn't say that. He actually did for a little while. Got convicted about that too. Came back, but and and we see that continually because you know somehow humans are built for rebellion. We think that that's just the way it ought to be, and certainly the Bible supports that. The Bible actually doesn't support that. Very very little does the Bible support rebellion to authority. Now, granted, the wonderful thing is is that the pastor's authority is a balanced authority, has a system of checks and balances, which we've already looked at much in Scripture. But the thing is, there still needs to be an honor for the position. An honor for the position. And he says that for the work's sake. Uh, and I, that, that's a great way to say it. So, well, I'm not really a big fan of the guy. Well, you know what? I am totally, un, I can to, uh, totally enough been around. Oh, see, my brain just walked off the edge of the planet here. I've been around the world enough to know that not everybody likes me. And that's Okay. I didn't used to be that way. I had to make sure everybody liked me all the time. <laughs> no, it's okay if people don't like you. That's fine. Uh, I've, I've, had some, I've had some bosses and others that I was not too fond of. It don't matter whether I like them. That's the authority, and I had to respect the position. And I understand that, so amen. But it's, again, it's not referring to passive submission here. It's not just sit, sit back and let the pastor do everything. And it's not referring to blind submission either. Okay, it's not just, you know, well, whatever the pastor says, well, that, that's nice, that's a great idea. I remember uh, my pastor, Pastor Abel's talking about uh, pastoring a military church. And he, he made a comment in Sunday morning about, uh, you know, I, I just think that maybe we should tear that wall out over there and do such and such. And that night, there was a whole bunch of military boys there with sledgehammers and shovels and crowbars, and they were ready to tear the wall down because whatever pastor wants. And he's like, whoa, whoa! <laughs> That, you know, this isn't the military. <laughs> we gotta, and I was just talking, okay? The, the Bible says, like, think about that Hebrews passage, Hebrews 13, 17. Okay? I think it's 17. Make sure I got the right, yes. No, it's verse 7. Verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. Whose faith follow. Amen. What does that mean? Well, if they don't have faith, don't follow that. You know what I'm saying? But it's looking at the pastor and recognizing he's a human. He has clay feet. We've talked about this before. There are some things he's going to do that ain't too smart. Well, don't follow the ain't too smart parts if you're smart enough to see it. Whose faith follow? Is there an area in your pastor's life where in his preaching, it's directly from the word of God, and he's doing his best to live it? Boy, you follow that. Amen. You follow that. So there's an idea here. Of, it's not an unequivocal uh, without any um, 
break submission. Now, this submission has a little, make sure that they're, you know, they got some faith. There's, a, there's some sound doctrine going on here. And then this last one, very interesting. So this, this term, this, this last phrase here in verse 7, considering the end of their conversation. This is a dual phrase. It's, it's one of the strangest phrases in how it's worded, but it's kind of cool once you think about it. So he says, it starts verse 7, remember them which have the rule over you. That's present tense, right? Is everybody here? It means, who's, who's, who's the pastor right now? Okay? And that word remember means to consider, to think about. You know, to, to consider their way of life. Um, to think about it. Remember them which have the rule over you, but then at the very last part of the verse, he says, considering the end of their conversation. Now, there's nobody named Nostradamus in here. Nobody in here is, at least you better not be, <laughs> a medium that sees the future. Well, it's very interesting. This, all the, well, several of the words in this, in this phrase have double meanings to them. Of course, to consider means to, to purposefully dwell on and think on and maybe look at. But the end of their conversation can mean two things. Can literally mean two things. One of them means, literally, the end of their life. Well, you guys don't know the end of my life. But you have had pastors that you have watched serve all the way to the end and go on to heaven. Or at least you've seen those people. So consider the end of their conversation. So there's an idea of looking at this person who has served his whole life and they've they've kept doing the same thing, they've kept doing the same thing, and they've died and gone to heaven, and the, the, the testimony they left behind was someone who kept trying to be a leader of, of people, a leader of God's people. But it also means, considering the end of their conversation, it, it can means the end can also mean the purpose. You know, like the end justifies the means kind of deal. It can also mean like the purpose of their way of life. What is the purpose of your pastor's way of life? Well, the whole purpose of a pastor's way of life is for the people. The whole purpose for the pastor's way of life is for the people. That's, that's what it is. So there's, there's a double meaning here. So it looks, it, it's calling us to look back on the pastors that we've had. I know at Heartland, one of the things that we do <coughs> at the college <coughs> is to uh, honor people who lived a whole life. I mean, just a whole life. No, nobody's perfect. I mean, we could bring up anybody in the world and somebody's going to pick out the, all the bad things about them, okay? There's nobody perfect. But a, 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 a man, you're rising, falls down, gets back up, gets back up, gets back up, keeps, keeps going after it, keeps going after it, and they live their whole life kind of returning to the right thing and doing the right thing until they die. And we honor those people. It's a wonderful thing. I, th- I'm thinking, I think they call it Faithful for a Lifetime Award. And then there's some that we call double honor awards. Some, some, somebody who's served well for many, many years and now they've retired. So it says this, you know what? When you, when you obey these people, when you're obeying them, consider why you're obeying them by looking at their life. By looking at the lives of pastors that you've had who have served faithfully. Pray that this pastor does the same. And also look at what is the purpose of his life. His purpose of his life is, is to be, a, is to, honestly, to be a... Uh, a sheep and a, and a shepherd at the same time and to help take care of the sheep in place of the physical presence of Jesus. 
even though he does that as well. I mean, there's so much there. So the purpose of the pastor, so think about him. Consider him. Consider the end. One, <coughs> one commentator will say, make sure their lifestyle is scriptural. The very next commentator will say, uh, this can't be talking about current people because the verbiage is talking about the end, the word end always, is talking about this. But the word literally in the, in the, the original text can mean both things at the same time. It's just a really cool thing. So it's talking about active submission, okay? Similar, similar to the idea, similar kind of to the idea of a marriage is that I am not allowed to make you submit. Understand that. It's something that you have to choose to do yourself. You have to choose to do that, okay? Um, this is what I think we ought to do, okay? And, and if, if a pastor, you know, hopefully there's been some time and prayer spent in that uh, and some discussions and talking about it, some, some, some men's meetings and maybe talking to several different people, this is what I think we ought to do. Um, if the pastor is leading in that direction and there's, there's not really a good reason not to get behind it, I mean, like, this is undoctrinal? Or this is going to lead the church to be as worldly as all get out? What, okay, let's do it. Jump in behind it. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't get involved in, in bad doctrine stuff. That's when you're going, excuse me, <laughs> we have a problem here, we need to talk. Okay? And that ought to be, it ought to be that men in the church are wise enough to say, that's not good doctrine. Okay? But when the pastor is leading down a pathway of, of trying to do something for the Lord to fulfill a, a principle, you need to get in behind and do those things. Amen. Amen. It's, it's a very good thing. I'm telling you, the fight, well, we'll just keep on moving. We'll just keep right on rolling. So it calls for, it's an active submission, Okay. And we've already talked a little, we've already talked about the balance of leadership there, and I'm not going to go back and cover that again. But the church's responsibility to the pastor, submit to leadership. Number two is to pray for them. To pray for them. This word, this word, Hebrews 13, 7. The word remember. Found my definition, okay? Uh, it's to call to mind. To call to mind. What does that mean? Uh, that means you actually have to remind yourself to remember. <laughs> Does anybody here know what I'm saying? That, uh, who, who here, does anybody here get a birthday text from someone that you rarely see, but you, they never skip a birthday text? Okay? There's somebody, there's somebody, there's somebody, there's somebody. That's, that was one thing that I had somebody just off the wall, somebody that is a friend, a friend, but they're not like, we're not besties. But I started just getting regular texts from them on events that they had to purposefully hear, hear and write down and remember and then text me about it. I, I mean, it just blew, me, blew my mind that somebody would do that. Like, kind of cool, you know. I really like that. I'm like, well, thanks, you know. First time, thank you. Second time, thank you. Third time, I wonder if I should be doing this back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But do you, you know how I'm, is, you know, like getting a handwritten note in the mail? A handwritten note in the mail. That's cool stuff. I'm telling you, way better than emails. I'm just telling you. Way better than an email. A handwritten note. You got it forever. It can, it can go in, it can go something that's really precious to you. You can keep it forever. I can still go back and haul out cards from my mom and dad. 
with their, theirs, I can recognize their handwriting, their signature. You know, those are cool things. You know, when the idea there is to call to remember is, in other words, if, if you're not a good, if, you're, if your brain doesn't remember real well to pray for your pastor, then write it down somewhere. Get a prayer list, write it on your mirror in bright red lipstick. <laughs> Something. Okay? Uh, uh, Sharpie. Sharpie. She can't wipe that off. <laughs> well, that's not true. She'll, she'll think, I know her. She knows the way. But you know what I'm saying? Do something. Call it to mind. So the, the idea is choose to remember to pray for and think about the pastor and his needs. Pray for them. Amen. Remember them which have the rule over you. Call them to mind. Amen. Number three, to, to provide for their needs. I get to preach this. Isn't this great? I don't get to bring... I could have had somebody else come in and preach it, but it's, I guess I'll have to do it myself. <sighs> Guess I'll not be a chicken. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. No preacher ever likes to talk about this. So I'll, I'll give you a, a common statement that preachers make. It's not biblical, but it's stuff that, it's what we say. Um, you'd never, you'll never have to pay me to preach. Love preaching. But you'll definitely have to pay me to pastor. <laughs> and the idea being all the... Uh, you know, the business administration, the, the, the building administration, maintenance and repairs and volunteer work and get organizing all the stuff and keeping all that stuff. But let's see what the Bible says. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So go down to verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, down to verse 13. <clears throat> Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? Okay, so this is where we find out that the, in Paul is taking the Old Testament pattern for how the priests were taken care of, and he's now applying it to a New Testament church principle and doctrine. Okay? And this is true. In the Old Testament, the priest got their food and much of their, their uh, sustenance from, from what was brought in to the temple. Okay? So... Again, we'll keep reading there. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? In other words, the gifts that came to the altar also were the benefit and income of the priests. Okay? Verse 14, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. In other words, the money and the benefit of the church is, is from, from that benefit is, is to be, um, is supposed to benefit the pastor. The two primary things that the Old Testament offerings did were this. Take care of the priest and take care of the tabernacle. That's the two primary things that the offerings physically did. Outside of the offering to the Lord, it took care of the priest and it took care of the tabernacle. That's, that's, that was the basis of all of it, okay? So, and guess what? Guess what? Every New Testament church, guess what their largest outlay of, my, of funds is? Two staff. That largest, a minimum I have ever seen is 45%. Minimum I've ever seen is 45%. Normally, it's, it's well north of 50%. Sometimes 60 plus. Depends on the size of the church and what they have and the needs and all those, vari- there's lots of variants in there. But um, do you not know 
that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. So this is, in other words, it's Bible to pay the church staff, the pastoral ministry staff, out of the church's income of tithes and offerings. That's, that's, that is, that's pretty clear right there. Now, there's a whole group out there, okay, and one of their arguments is, oh, pastors should never get a wage because Paul was a tent maker. Yes, Paul was a tent maker. Paul was a tent maker for a very particular purpose, and he says that. He says, he says, I wanted to be able to come in and not be beholden to any of you and be able to preach directly to you the gospel and you not come back and say, well, yeah, but you had power on your side. But then when Paul talked to Timothy and the Corinthians and the Galatians and the Titus, he says, you need to be taken care of and you need to take care of your preacher. So Paul's, Paul's purpose for that was very distinct. I've even had people say, I literally just this week heard, well, yeah, but the church should help take care of them, but it shouldn't be money. How else? You know, I'm pretty sure that Idaho Power does not take tomatoes as payment. You know what I'm saying? And of course, then what happens is the pastor has to go get a job. Because you have to have money to survive in this world. Just, you, you have to. So the pastor has to go get a job. You know, what, you know what the very first thing that suffers when a pastor gets a job? The preaching. Immediately, the preaching suffers. It, on, a, on a good week... On a good week, like one of those weeks where everything just falls together perfectly, my study time might be in the neighborhood of around 18 hours on a really good week. Many weeks, it's north, it's 30 or better. I mean, many weeks. Now, thank the Lord for things like when I'm preaching through the book of Matthew, there's a lot of initial intensive study on the background and kind of getting rolling in the passages. And then once that gets rolling, that builds up and slowly over time it becomes a little easier. But... I mean, 18 hours is a minimum, and 30, 30 plus, uh, I, I'm, I'm almost jealous of the guys who, like, all they have to do is preach, and they've got an executive pastor, he takes care of all the grounds, and, you know, and all that, all the staff, and then he's got a, an assistant pastor who handles all the Sunday school and teachers, and his main focus is, I'm going to go pray and preach now, <laughs> pray, study, and preach, oh, man, that, that would be amazing, uh, thank the Lord, I'm not built for that per se so like today the guys are out there brother Trenton and brother Greg are out working on the sprinklers and uh, I can only sit in the office for so long and I got to go do something and thank the Lord they're out there so I can go out there and lean on a broom and pick up a shovel and you know <laughs> so it, it's those are those are a blessing anyways but let me keep going here first uh, Timothy 5 first Timothy 5 I might have that one first Timothy 5 First Timothy 5, verse 17 and 18. Verses 17 and 18. Let the elders that rule well, and again, a reminder, the word elders in the New Testament is another word for pastor, elder, pastor. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. And now, we, and now we're going to get a verse that helps us understand for sure what he's talking about. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Again, this is one of those verses that they try to say, well, the word honor, you know, it can be translated differently. 
Um, yeah, but when it says the labor is worthy of his reward, again, we're not talking about tomatoes. Okay? We're talking about a wage. Now, granted, I love tomatoes, but, and my wife turns them into salsa, which is also awesome. So, but let me just let's, just, let's just talk about this just a little bit, okay? So, the word elders, pastor, okay, that's the pastor. The word double is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, twofold. It means twofold. Uh, I have heard of a couple churches, how they took that completely to heart. They had a pastor who pastored a very long time and did a very good job, and they... they they got all the men together, and they took a. They averaged all of their incomes, and they they paid their pastor twice the average of their average income of the men in the church. That was their choice. I, I, that's wonderful of a church wants to and can afford to do that. Okay, there's. Be careful how we look at this. Okay, but the word double is twofold. Okay, the word honor. Um, Literally, out of the Strong's, it is directly connected to silver. <laughs> it's a price paid. In other words, it's, it's a value thing. Um, what you're willing to pay uh, is kind of a loose idea in there. It's a value thing. It can also have the meaning of esteem, okay? And so some people say, well, it's just esteem. But when you look at verse 18, we're not talking about just honor here. We're talking about, we're talking about money remuneration when it says, let the laborer be worthy of his reward. Okay? So the context kind of helps us out there. So double honor. Okay? And then the word reward at the very, in first, uh, sorry, in the very last verse there, uh, verse 18, worthy of his reward, is directly wages. That is just, that's the word for wages. That's what it is. So let the labor be worthy of his reward. Now, it also says, let the elders that rule well. And then it says, those who labor in the word and doctrine. Well, I think rule well kind of makes sense. Uh, are you having a big, is there a big fat hairy deal going on all the time at the church? Are we always having to worry about this or worry about that, you know? Okay, well, maybe there's some issues here, okay? And then the word labor the word labor there in, in word and doctrine just doesn't mean that they happen to work as a preacher. No, it means that there's, there's toil put into the word and doctrine, and it's evident. In other words, there's sweat. There's, there's, some, there's some work put into the, the preaching or the, the study and the doctrine, and it's evident uh, in, in the preaching and in the life, if that makes sense. So, so elders that rule well, so if, if, if you've got to... So, in other words, the Lord's saying, there are some pastors, you need to treat them really well. And then there's some other pastors, make sure they get paid. <laughs> they still have to take care of their family, make sure they get paid. But there, there, is, there is room there for, if, if you've if you got a pastor who, who's doing a good job, make sure he's getting, he's getting uh, taken care of. And I don't know how else to tell you, the, the double honor thing... Um, it's something that you just have to literally, that's one of the things that my preference and probably how I'm going to do it from now on is when it comes to talking about my pay, I'm going to have the deacons in there and maybe the trustees and I'm going to leave the room and they're going to talk about it. I don't like, I don't like being the one to decide, you know, when I'm doing the budget, I got to look at my pay. I'm not touching it. It's going to stay exactly the same. <laughs> I'm not doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, doesn't it look, wouldn't it look great? Me give myself a raise in the budget. 
Okay, you get the picture. So, and, and this literally what it's saying is that there needs to be some thought given to this, and double honor as well is, 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 a worthy, is a worthy goal for a church. Okay? And then if we go to 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5, so submit to their leadership, pray for them, provide for their needs, and beyond, okay? Or support them well, let's put it that way. Support, the, support your pastors and support them well. And then uh, honor and respect. So that's 1 Thessalonians, and I guess I need to go there too. We looked at that passage just a little bit. Chapter 5, and again verse 13. To esteem them very highly, amen, in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. So again, there's some, there's some honor and respect to be given to a pastor, again, for the position and for the work that they're doing. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. All right, so that's a church's responsibilities to its pastors. Now, I'm going to gloss a little bit on the plurality of pastors, and I'm not glossing too much, but uh, the man who wrote this, uh, this particular uh, curriculum uh, believes a little further than I do on it uh, now, and so I'm a little careful about what he's got here. But the Bible teaches, and, I, and, I, and I'm just going to give you some, I'm just going to throw out a bunch of examples. Did, did Paul go out by himself on his missionary journeys? No, he always went. When Jesus had the 12 and then the 70, did he send them out by themselves? No, he sent them out two by two. Okay? Um, when... Uh, Especially at the first, of course, at the first there, all the disciples, all the apostles, rather, were the pastors. And then as persecution happened, of course, and as they began to be missionaries further out, we had at one time, Peter was the pastor, okay? But he wasn't the only apostle there. There were other apostles there. Uh, but Peter was the, the, the head. You can't have more than one head. Anything with more than one head is a monster. God still has, God still has some good... Um, he has leaders, a presiding leader, if you will, okay? Uh, so it's not led by committee, it's still led by a pastor. So Peter would stood, stood up and spoke for the church early on. Then at some point, James was one of the elders, but then he got up and spoke for the church. Remember the Acts 15, the, the, the question about from the other church, what are we going to do? And they all got together and talked about it, but James was the person who came out and said, this is how what we've decided, this is what we're going to do. So there's always, there's always, it seems like, matter of fact, the only time Paul was alone, think about this, was when he got to Athens before the rest of his crew. Remember that? And he chose not to wait on them. And he, and he stepped up and he started preaching and they put him up on the hill, uh, on Mars Hill. And that's just because I think he went by land and they went by sea and it took them longer or something. I don't remember. But he just got there and he, couldn't, he just couldn't wait any longer. I got to preach to these people. But shortly thereafter, the, the, those others came uh, and were a help and a blessing. Amen. So uh, I'll just give you a few verses. I'll read a few through for you. Acts 13.1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch, singular, church in Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, plural. Okay. Uh, Acts 14.23. And when they had ordained them elders, plural, in every church, singular, and had prayed with fasting, they commanded them to the Lord on whom they believed. Okay? Um, Paul and Barnabas, that whole passage in Acts 15. Uh, Acts 20, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church at Ephesus. Plural. Okay? 
For this cause, Titus 1.5, Titus 1.5, For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. Okay, James 5.14, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Hebrews 13.24, Salute all them that have the rule over you. All them, plural, that have the rule over you. Okay, now, there's no direct obligation given in Scripture that a, that a New Testament church has to have more than one pastor. There's not a, there's not a direct command or a, even, a, even a direct teaching that we could say, see, uh, you know, you have to have more than one. Uh, frankly, I, there's some towns up north that if there's one guy there, that's more than most of the towns around them have. You know what I'm saying? Not all churches even can afford to have that. And by the way, an elder again... Um, like, for instance, and this is not to slam Dakota, Dakota is called to preach. He's not qualified to be an elder. Not yet. He will be one day, and he's on that pathway. You know what I'm saying? Just because he's called to preach and he's on that pathway does not automatically say he's a pastor. He's an elder. There's, there's not a novice in there, a husband of one wife. He's not married, doesn't rule a house. We don't know how that handles. So you hear what I'm saying? And this is not to slam Dakota at all, but he's on, his, he's on that pathway and he's heading that direction, uh, but but just because someone is called to preach doesn't mean oh we got him got him we got more elders. No, that's not what that's talking about. It's talking about um, competent spiritual leadership. Amen. Not that Dakota's incompetent or unspiritual. Matter of fact, in some things he's more competent than I am. But moving right along, thanks Dana. That's Dana's influence. Thank the Lord for that. So. Teamwork in ministry, though, does seem to be a biblical principle. Uh, it just is. Uh, it, it's one of the reasons that I still like two-by-two two when we go out door-knocking. We go out uh, even blitzing. It's having a group go out together and do those things. I think those, that's just good ideas. Um, <clears throat> Peter, Peter went to Caesarea to preach to Joppa. He had other people with him. It was Peter that was called to go to Joppa to preach to, preach to the Gentiles there. But other men went with him. Okay? Barnabas and Saul worked together. Barnabas and John Mark worked together. Paul and Silas worked together. Paul and Timothy. Paul and Erastus. Paul and Luke. I mean, and Paul and John Mark later. They all worked together. Um, now think about this. Normally, e- even in the issue about like they sought to go into Macedonia, and remember they were hindered. They wanted to go and they were hindered by the Holy Spirit. And then when it was time, God didn't give the whole group a dream. God gave Paul the dream, and the other elders followed him. The other pastors, the other preachers followed him in that ministry. Uh, so just kind of interesting. That's just the, a principal thing. Um, God, and that's kind of, it's almost as if God gives a vision to a team leader. Uh, and that does seem to be how it works. But there, there's always other men around, support staff and things around. Um, so... The, the plurality of elders does definitely seem to be a biblical principle. Uh, and, and again, we're not talking about a committee rule or a consensus rule, but, but someone to, people who work together in the ministry. So I will tell you right now that probably the closest thing that we would have to that uh, would be my wife. And she's not an elder. She's not a pastor. can't be. But the, the, the biggest support I have would be my wife. And that, that's as it should be. Um, but at some point, 
She's my wife first. So if there ever comes a conflict where it's my wife or my secretary, she's going to be my wife, even if I have to lose the secretary. You know what I'm saying? Because that's her first job. Uh, whereas uh, if, if Brother Nathan, Nathan ever showed up late, he was in my office stumbling over himself to explain why. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Because he's he is my he was my helper in the ministry. He was that that assistant, that person who I mean, how can you imagine how far Paul would have been able to travel without the Doctor Luke on probably that third missionary journey, constantly attending to him? I mean, there's just some there's some there are some good things about this. I think every church should seek to have should seek and hope for a multiplicity of elders, but be thankful for. Now what we do have, we have, two, we have Brother Chester, and he certainly fills that role. And there are many things in which I do talk to him about things, and we talk, about, uh, we talk in the office and, and share some things back and forth. So some of that, thank the Lord, we do have. Uh, but even as, even as Brother Chester would admit, there's still some limitations, uh, even as how far he can do anything physically and some of that stuff. So a plurality of, of elders does seem to be a biblical principle it's not a direct command that we can find, but it certainly seems to be something that Jesus liked and Paul liked, and the New Testament certainly seems to put forward. Amen. So that is um, the responsibility of a church to its pastors and the biblical, I want to call it a principle. I don't know how far I can carry that, but the biblical idea, at least, of a plurality of elders, a plurality of pastors. So... And with that, I, again, I'll just again, please pray with me uh, about this, that the Lord will just uh, open doors and show us what needs to be done. And uh, amen. And God knows exactly what we need and when we need it. And he's taken, care of, he's taken good care of us uh, up till now. I reckon we can trust him the rest of our time as well, don't you think? Amen. All right, let's pray. We're going to be talking about the deacon next Wednesday? Yes, next Wednesday. Amen. Father, we thank you very much.